In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening, welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Jalakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded then each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I just did two books Friday, so... Um, I'll do the book for this week on next Friday or this coming Friday show. Um, I know many of you were uh, at protests yesterday, January 8th, to commemorate the third anniversary of the downing of Flight PS752. Uh, I was very fortunate to go to the one here in Los Angeles. I don't know the exact number, but it seemed like a good turnout. And I know people were um, gathered around the world and was happy to see those posts from people gathering to, of course, commemorate this horrible tragedy where no Iranian officials have been held accountable, and of course to further continue the protests and support of the movement towards a revolution in Iran. And so I was happy to see people uh, out there um, and talking with some people afterwards. Um, some of the same themes were coming up of are people losing momentum and and i try to make this point because i think it's so important that i i talk about the people outside of iran because the people in iran i, I cannot give any advice at all or tell them what to do or not to do all i can do i think all that we can do outside of iran is to amplify their voices share their stories contact um, politicians people that might be able to have some influence and impact that's really all we uh, can do. But so I was talking to people of our experience outside of what we can do and noticing that are there times where people are losing um, momentum and and what they're posting, what they're doing. You know, there was the holidays, the weather has been worse. I, I think I saw less protests and things were happening. I think this was a big jump start again. I hope people will um, be back out there. And I hope people will recognize their role and responsibility in this, as I've talked about many times before. We can't focus too much on just the result of what's going to happen because that result might take time and the result of each small action is really negligible and might not even be registered. You can't even see that impact, but it's the collection accumulation of many small actions that turns into something huge and even in this case potentially revolutionary. So I hope people won't stop doing what um, they are doing by doing whatever they can, doing the posts, sharing things, um, the stop executions in Iran. That hashtag has gained momentum, and so we, you know, we sometimes wonder, well, are those things important? But they are important because we live in a world where that's how information is shared. So we want to pay attention and see what we can do to continue sharing. I, by no means, consider my place myself a place to come for the news, with how infrequently I do the show, and I'm not. A, a journalist, so I sometimes share some information, but don't get too much into it because um, I don't think I can adequately do that and do it justice if I try to share news or details of what's going on. And of course, things are, are changing so rapidly. Um, 
I do share at times a psychological perspective on things or things I notice or have seen. And one that I've recognized is, of course, again, this is for us outside. I can only imagine the intensity of the emotions people experience inside. But I've noticed an emotional numbing at times that we might experience people outside of Iran watching these news stories. Uh, you know, you, you'll go through periods. I've seen them myself where I feel things much more strongly. And then at times I feel like almost I've detached emotionally, I think, from feeling overwhelmed from seeing things. I mean, you see videos, um, uh, father of a 22-year-old who was just killed at his grave crying, uh, you know, and if you, again, what they're going through, we can't even imagine, and just seeing it is is so painful. And so I've gone through this many times where I feel the feeling so intensely and get overwhelmed and then try to, you know, recover because, of course, people are have their lives and other responsibilities they have to to get to and it's it's very hard and I've seen so many people affected like this and by this trying to understand how how to balance this how to navigate it and it's really there is no easy answer because it's always going to be a balancing act because I don't want us to get numb or to care less or stop caring or get desensitized to it sadly we're seeing so many stories you just hear another young person executed or sentenced to death. Um, I saw this heartbreaking story of the man who is sentenced to death and he just had a baby. I think he only spent 18 days with his child. And now he's just saying, all I want is to see my child one last time. I mean, it's just beyond heartbreaking to hear these stories and how do we even comprehend them? How can we even try to understand what someone is going through and that's their experience but yet we have to stay connected and stay vigilant so you'll probably notice yourself at times pulling back or pulling away because you're overwhelmed by what you're experiencing and seeing and so I've urged this from the beginning that we have to find some type of balance and it's a balancing act of sorts that we have to keep in touch with what's going on in Iran. Also keep in touch with ourselves to make sure we're taking care of ourselves in order to continue supporting them. So you can imagine, um, not to make our role so dramatic, but let's say if you're a doctor's or hospital staff taking care of patients who are ill or who need some support, they have to make sure they take care of themselves in order to take care of the patients. So I say this because I think it's tough for us because what we're going through is nothing, we can't even compare it to what's happening to people there. It's a different thing. The people who are actually in Iran uh, living in these situations, facing what they have to face if they decide to protest or to do something in any way. Um, when we think of what they're going through, of course, we can't compare it. So when we feel like we're stressed out or overwhelmed, we might feel guilty or bad. Why? How could I even feel tired if that's what they're going through and I'm going through nothing. Um, even yesterday, I think for so, for me, every time I've gone to one of these protests, of course, you're there, you know, you're there for a few hours. So lots of different thoughts and feelings come up, but always I'm struck by the feeling of the comfort I have protesting here in the United States, 
in Los Angeles. Um, and the incredible discomfort, pain, fear that anyone in Iran has to, to face. And so we can't even imagine what that's like, how lucky we are. You just, okay, I want to go to the protests and I'm going to walk and do my part. But how can we compare that to the decisions and the thoughts that people have to go through in Iran? So when we think of, oh, my pain, it could feel like, um, how can I even mention or think about it? The thing is, we have to take care of ourselves first and foremost, because that's one of our responsibilities. It doesn't mean that if you attend to your pain, you're saying it's the worst pain in the world or the, the worst thing that's happening. Using Going back to the hospital I was just uh, metaphorically using, if one patient has one broken leg and the other one has two broken legs, they don't send the one with one broken leg home because someone is going through something worse. Both people's pain deserves to be attended to. And again, even here, it's much more than a magnitude of two. But nonetheless, we have to take care of ourselves in order to keep taking care of the people we're supporting, I should say. Really, we are limited in what we are doing, but to keep supporting them. And so the reason why I encourage this is because of how long it does seem like it already has been, more than 100 days. It could be more. Um, I, I'm not making a prediction, but I don't want to say just think, well, it's going to end so quickly because then we might burn out and, and stop our efforts. So we have to keep keep ourselves as an instrument for support in check. So again, those the doctors and staff need to take care of themselves in order to take care of those people for the long haul. We are going to be supporting as long as we need to be supporting. So you might notice one of the things you do when you get overwhelmed is you'll start to emotionally check out. So if you notice yourself looking at a video that you can logically get is horrible and very sad, but see that you're not feeling anything, it probably means you're checking out in some way, which is a defense. And usually when we think of denial and avoidance, they're bad things, but they all defenses have some kind of purpose. You're feeling overwhelmed. You don't feel like you can take it anymore. So you check out. You don't experience what you're experiencing as intensely because that makes it easier to get through. So if you notice yourself watching some very sad video and feeling nothing, just pay attention to that. That's telling you you're probably a bit overwhelmed or almost getting desensitized to it. So just check in. Doesn't mean there's one solution to it. You might need to step away for a bit from watching things. When I say a bit, it might even be like an hour or a few hours, but you might need to take a little bit of time away. You might need to do something, take a walk, whatever it is that you can do. And I think for many people I've talked to outside of Iran, um, heartbroken, angered, feeling so many emotions about what's going on. But there is a sense of a purpose that we have, that it does feel like when you put any efforts in this direction of supporting the people of Iran, you're very certain that it's in the right direction. You're doing something good. Sometimes we have doubts of where we're spending our time, our energy. Is this the right thing to be doing? But I think no one is doubting that supporting the people of Iran is the absolute right thing to do and something that we all are even grateful to get to do, to be someone who can support in whatever ways that we can. So because we know it's the right thing to do and it could give us this sense of a purposeful action that we are taking, we want to make sure we can do it for as long as we possibly can. So if you notice yourself numbing out, pay attention to that, do what you need to do, but don't completely look away. Don't give in to what might come up sometimes when we 
start to burn out is to give up completely. To be like, oh, it's not worth it. Or nothing is going to change, so why should I do anything? Why should I get stressed out? I've heard that before too. Why should I get stressed out about what's going on there? Nothing is going to change. And there's no guarantee that something is going to change. But that is generally a reaction to feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And it's almost like we're trying to look for a way out. If you're holding up something, you're holding up a weight and it's getting tiring, it's one way to get out of it is say, oh, this is stupid. What's the point of holding this thing? And so a lot of us might feel that way. You're holding an extra burden that we're carrying these days. Again, nothing to compare with what's happening in Iran, but for those of us outside, there is something that's changed. It's been an additional emotional baggage. I actually would say it this way. It's not just an additional emotional baggage. There is that, but it's also been a lot of wounds have opened up because I think it's not that things just got bad in Iran or people found out about it now. People have felt bad for decades, but a lot of those things we held under wraps or people didn't think about much because there wasn't the sense that that anger could be expressed or there was any... Um, it could really do something or we didn't know what we could do. We learned to survive by just holding it in. So I know many people did that. And now when things in Iran started to unfold the way they have the past few months, they got in touch with a lot of old wounds of their own from what they experienced in Iran, family members experienced um, and all sorts of things. So it opened up a lot of our emotions. It's also, yeah, there is the additional of what we're seeing taking a toll. But I really urge all of us myself included, to not look away. We might look away for a short moment if you need a second to breathe or take a break, but be ready to come back in. You know, our job is not done. We have a responsibility and we have to keep doing what we can. And so I hope we will keep that in mind with everything that we do. And so I was very happy to see the, the many faces of people there uh, yesterday. And to those of you around the world, I'm glad you were there. And of course, our work continues. Uh, it's heartbreaking every day. You're seeing the news. It's just as I was sitting here in the studio, I just checked social media quickly. And it's just, it, you know, it's like a punch to the stomach, seeing the pictures, seeing images. And of course, with uh, Flight PS752, people have been sharing videos. And you see the victims and some of them children. It's just, it, it's so painful. It's so sad and I hope it stays painful for you because I don't want us to detach from it and to forget that it's real it's something happening so when the tendency or the urge comes to go away or to numb ourselves we have to challenge that be aware of it check in with it you might have to take care of yourself for a little bit or step away momentarily but don't give in to giving up or give in to going numb because the pain is real the suffering is real and there is some real things you can do, and we have to all continue to do that. Let's go to our first commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, in the first segment, I was talking about the, the protests that took place this past weekend and also just being aware of our own emotional experience um, throughout what's going on here uh, with with everything in Iran, trying to make sure we're okay to do everything that we can. And I remember early on in the few months ago, talking to a few people about even this topic, and I think even more people had that 
feeling that how could we even think about taking care of ourselves? Or it sounds, even that's how I feel it when I'm talking about it, hesitant in a way that, um, you know, can sound like, oh, poor me and us. It's like affecting me what's happening there when there's people suffering. So I, I can hear that. I even feel that. I think that's why I even hesitate or I mentioned so many times, nothing compared to what people in Iran are going through, which is absolutely true. But because of that reason that um, it, it feels petty or small to think of what we're going through when people are going through something so severe. Um, and there's a truth to that. But again, the truth is that we have to take care of ourselves too. And our lives are going on. And I think it's a challenge I've seen from many people talking about, for example, being a parent and saying it's affected me emotionally and I'm trying to be there for my kids and I've noticed it's impacted me either I'm more sad or I'm more irritable or I'm more distracted because I'm looking at the news seeing the news and um, then even when I'm not looking I'm still thinking about what I saw because of what I saw and the images and what I read and, and that's all very real and so um, we still have our responsibilities for example to our kids you have a job go to school do different things and that's that's tough and this is what's been very difficult and I think something for us all to recognize um, but I hope we can also support one another and that's something I've definitely felt throughout this as well and I hope it continues is that people are giving their support to each other through this time which it has been difficult on on all of us and even the camaraderie of coming together to protest of course we're trying to make a statement and hope that it reaches uh, media we also hope it definitely reaches the people of iran to see that we are with them and i i love some of the chants um there's one that i won't even be able to say it right in farsi anyway because i don't remember it exactly but essentially it said even though we're far from you like our people we will we are behind you or we're walking with you or we're supporting you um, which is very beautiful. And so we, I, I always think of that too. We hope they somehow, if they see an image of it, it doesn't change much, but it hopefully will let them know uh, there's people around the world supporting them. Um, I, I also think we get something, of course, I, you know, we want the media presence just to keep the word alive and the story alive and so people keep paying attention. Um, but also there's a togetherness that we have when we, we come together, of course, that I think is good to continue us in that support. And so related to spreading the word, one thing I also think people, we experience is always when we experience life and see things and hear things and are exposed to certain things, it's hard for us to sometimes remember that other people are not. And so I say this because if you are Iranian, you are constantly seeing these things on your social media. And because of that, it could seem like everyone knows about it so much. Non-Iranians all know about it. And many do. Um, and many non-Iranians, uh, non-Iranian celebrities have posted, which I think is great. It does bring more attention and awareness because and millions of more people see it. Um, so that is good, and that has spread the awareness. But we have to remember that not everyone does know, and that if someone doesn't have your news feed, they don't see what you're seeing. And this is also something that social media has done, is that it's made us 
live in our own bubbles in some ways. Yeah, we share things with the, with, each, with each other, which is good, but we also can live in a bubble that gives us an unrealistic understanding of the whole world or the global picture. So I've seen people, you know, meet someone or talk to someone and say, I can't, how do you not know about what's going on in Iran? Because it's all you see. But we have to remember that many people don't see that or hear that, just like Unfortunately, there are other tragedies that are going on in the world that you might not know about, I might not know about, that to someone else is the most important thing and what they are constantly viewing and seeing. So keep that in mind when you talk to others, and it's also a reminder of why you shouldn't think we, by spreading the word, it doesn't mean anything, because not everyone knows. Yes, of course, when we share, mostly you're seeing it and your friends are seeing it who already know, but still it creates... um, buzz it creates a spread of things things go viral you don't know what it is that's going to connect to people i even myself try to share things that are a little bit different from different types of people because that might connect to someone and someone else might connect to something else Uh, sharing art sharing music you know we share different things because different things connect to different people they hear a song and they might connect to it some people might see an image a drawing and they get connected to that or they know a certain artist or know someone so you tag them or you know they share it and that that gets to some people so i hope we won't give up um or forget that as much as it seems like it's on everyone's minds because it's on your mind so much and the people you know many people still have very little awareness of it and this is also why we see people post things sometimes even well-intentioned but they might not get what's happening um, in iran because they've just heard a few things from someone so I've seen people post things throughout, for example, when um, I think it was more than a month ago now, the morality, you know, there's a report of the morality police is going to be shut down. And of course, um, Iranians knew that this was just, you know, first of all, it wasn't even an official statement, but even if it was, it was just, you know, something to try to appease people or make it seem like progress was being made or that reform was happening and that reform was all the people wanted and you know if that was the problem the problem is gone but everyone knew that was all bogus and nothing was going to change and okay you don't call it morality police but you have something else nothing is is changing by that but i saw many non-iranian sources reporting this as look a sign of progress or look this is good which actually i think wasn't good because they made it seem like okay look they're not so bad they're making changes and the government is willing to negotiate or to give the people what they want and so well-intentioned people were sharing this information that actually might have almost been more like disinformation and misinformation that was giving people the wrong idea not what us iranians really thought was the truth which was that 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 has no value or no merit it's just a distraction it's just a way of trying to make it seem like things are getting better yet those people who shared that many of them were well-intentioned i'm sure there were some that were not but a lot of people shared that that were very well-intentioned saying that it's good news and i think it's important for us to educate our non-iranian friends or even iranian friends we're going to get it wrong we misunderstand something we don't know something Um, and we see this a lot in many issues, uh, social issues that come up from race issues to sexuality to trans issues where people talk about something and they use the wrong words or share the wrong thing or maybe they share a voice of someone and people say, no, actually this person is against this, whatever, you know, thing it is. And so we're all learning and 
we should remember that we are all earn, learning and that we might notice an opportunity where someone needs to learn from us or we have something we can teach them. Um, and I hope we will approach this with the spirit of love and understanding rather than judgment and condescension, because we see that a lot. It's a very common social media trend that you kind of put someone down like, oh, you said this. How could you say this? You're so ignorant or stupid or worse, you know, whatever it is. And that doesn't get very far. Um, it's not going to teach that person much because they'll probably get defensive when you attack them like that. And it doesn't even make you look good or the message you're talking about look as good. But with love, you can let them know, you know, actually, this is what's happening. Or, you know, we prefer not this term because it's actually associated with this thing. And many people will be more receptive to that. Uh, usually if we tell someone they did something wrong, most people get defensive most of the time. But they're more likely to accept it if you approach with some type of love or compassion or just understanding or saying, I think you mean well, but let me, you know, maybe there's something I can teach you about this or share this with you that you might understand better. But I hope people will continue to tell their non-Iranian friends, share it in whatever ways you do already, but um, recognize that there are still many non-Iranians who don't know much about the issue or they don't uh, know how significant it is. And the news cycle moves so fast. This is something that I'm always concerned about. You know, you'll see it show up. And because this is an ongoing thing, it's already been more than 100 days of these protests. It's been happening for years in different ways. People move on, you know. Even if we look at Ukraine, it's, I think, coming on a year soon. Um, for a while, it was everyone's profile picture and every post was about Ukraine. And then for a long time, you wouldn't hear about it much. Of course, there was still news. But people weren't posting about it as much because there are fads and trends and things that happen in this. It's heartbreaking to think that people's lives comes down to trends and, you know, uh, things going viral and hashtags. But it is part of the world that we live in. It always was. It wasn't about um, hashtags, maybe, but propaganda and information and what gets shared and doesn't get shared or put on the news. These things always have mattered because if something does not have attention, people don't do something and they won't think there needs to be something to be done. But when we have a public outcry, it can make things happen. So we, we have to be ready for that, that people will move on from it. They'll be like, oh, okay, well, stop talking about Iran or, okay, I heard about it already. Like, you know, like, why do you keep posting? That's another thing um, I've heard. People have heard, like, why do you keep posting about it? And this is true of any type of cause. You will see this reaction, this negative reaction. People feel like they're getting inundated with posts and information about it. And um, that can be an experience people have. But if people are suffering, uh, you know, most people will say, I don't want to I don't want to shut up about that. I'm not going to shut up about that as long as people are suffering. Um, I, I wish there was nothing to report. Believe me, we wish there wasn't bad news to keep sharing, but there is. So people will keep sharing it. So you'll you'll get some of that, something we have to also expect. You might get that from people that um, please stop or you, you're sharing so much or I keep coming to your page and that's all I see. I don't want to see it. And that that's up to them if they want to come to your page anymore, do whatever they want. But I, I hope that won't discourage you from sharing and posting and putting things out there because it does make a difference. Um, I don't have the official number, but I think, you know, Masa Amini was one of the most uh, highest used hashtags of 2022, which is quite remarkable considering it didn't even become a hashtag until um, the last few months of the year. And maybe a few 
thoughts on that because it's heartbreaking um even like saying you know oh maso amini is a hashtag maso amini is not a hashtag Ma maso amini was a human being who was killed at the age of 22 and this happens when you know movements happen and we we have phrases and things we hold on to now that name has become part of this movement and has become its own type of entity you know even still yesterday there you know people would say say her name and they would say Masa Amini out here people say other names too because sadly there are many who have been killed and many are continuing um, to be killed uh, and so Masa Amini represents that it's about her and her life that was taken horribly unjustifiably huge injustice and tragedy while also representing the victims that were before her and after her that are there so it, it's it's difficult because sometimes i think of her family or people and when you say her name and it becomes this thing that we use in, in this part of this process i don't know what it's like for them or for other others as well who've lost the loved one and what it feels like for them but to me when we say her name it's representing of course all the victims and the potential victims and how we don't want there to be anyone else who dies as she was killed that is not something that ever should have happened to her and we never want it to happen again so we do keep saying her name as a reminder of that injustice and that horrible thing um, but related to what i was talking about in the last segment of how we don't want to be numb how we don't want to um, stop feeling things i also think it could be good sometimes to remember when we put that and I've, I've written that hashtag I'm sure more than a hundred times myself but when we write it that it's a it's a person's name it's a human being that was killed that was why we actually are posting it is to stop the injustice but to remember that she deserved to still be alive today um, I think it was so heartbreaking seeing videos of her that were shown after her death where you'd see her just being a young woman you know singing or dancing or just doing whatever it was which was her right to just continue doing and living and a reminder of her humanity and that she was just a human being a young woman with so much potential and so much life yet to live that's what makes it so tragic that she was murdered by the government and why we can't accept that we won't accept that um, and so I, I try to keep that in mind at times that of course posting her name is to honor her and that she has become the symbol of of the suffering but to not forget her as a human being and an individual and to value and cherish her and her life and why we do it is because we value and cherish the life of all others who are still there to protect them that they don't need to experience anything close to what she had to go through Let's go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. For this last segment, I wanted to talk about something that uh, many parents have asked me about, a very difficult question of how do I talk to my kids about what's happening in Iran? And I think it's a very challenging one. And I'm going to just share some thoughts by no means. Is it comprehensive or will it apply in all cases but just some thoughts and things to think about so the the first thing is and this is gonna be true of any topic you talk to your kids about is that it's so important how old they are 
and even related to that, how mature they are. And as you know, not all kids will be the same, but that's a huge, huge factor in how you want to talk to your kids about anything. You can talk to a child of any age about sex at some level, but if they're 16, it's very different than if they're eight, how you would discuss something, or even how does a baby get born, or drugs, or alcohol, whatever the issue is, you can always address it with your children, but you really want to be very, very aware of how old they are, because that will impact how much and how you tell them or what you're going to tell them about. Um, another factor related to this is that often parents think, and I've seen it very commonly amongst Iranian parents, where we tend to go towards denial and avoidance of bad feelings and things don't, that don't feel good. So often if something is potentially painful or negative, some parents think, oh, just don't tell your kids at all about it or tell them it's something different or good or nothing's going on because we don't want them to feel bad. And I don't agree with that. Um, we do want to take into account their age and also their feelings. So it's not that we don't care, obviously, but that we should do better than just to think, well, it might hurt them. I shouldn't tell them because this is true of a lot of things in life and how they grow and how they're going to experience life and even interact with reality is that they have to be able to, to face the negative things that are true about what's going on in their world and in the world at large. So I'm, I'm very much for talking to kids about these issues or even sexism or racism or things that come up to have conversations with your kids from a young age uh, about these topics for them to understand what's going on. Or someone is, you know, people in Los Angeles, we have a very high homeless population. So you see someone who's um, unhoused and people might think, well, what should I tell my kids? And they might try to avoid it or deny it. I think it's very important to have a, a frank discussion with them, which you will tailor to their, their age, but to be aware of that and to make it part of a conversation. Um, most of these types of things, it's not one talk. You know, even when we talk about sex, the way in an American culture, sometimes I'll say, when did your parents have the talk with you? And that means when do they talk to you about sex and reproduction and those things? But the truth of it is it's not going to be a talk as in one conversation. It's going to be an ongoing conversation and dialogue that you're having with them. So when it comes to what's happening in Iran, if we start with younger children, if they're very, very young, you don't need to get into things like violence or people getting killed when they're, let's say, four, five, six years old. I think you can approach it in a way of saying there are some people that are not treating other people nice or right. And you could possibly give them examples. Of course, they'll be very different, but something was happening at school or with a friend and they treated them in a way that was unfair. Do you remember when they weren't letting this kid play or something happened? So some people are not letting other people have do things in a fair way. They're not letting them experience their life in a fair way. And you could say it's in Iran and explain to them. Because again, taking another step back, one of the things that people experience is that you're sad or you're crying and your children see you or they see you affected by it. And so, um, again, the rationale sometimes we'll just deny it and say everything's okay or they won't notice because I'm going to smile. But they'll notice if you're sad and you're down and they see that you check your phone and you're tearing up or getting very emotional or frustrated. They're going to notice those things. So better to let them know why and what's going on at some level rather than deny it to them. But as they get older, I think the kids can handle a bit more of their, the government in Iran is not fair 
to the people there and especially they treat women in a way that's unfair and the people want to change they don't want those people to be in power anymore and i would always encourage you to create a dialogue which means there's questions too so don't just think you're going to sit your kids down and give them a, a 30 minute seminar on iranian history um, and what happened and what's going on you don't need to Yes, you might want to be prepared a bit, but not that you have to prepare some kind of detailed lecture, especially because you want it to be a dialogue so they can ask you things. Oh, like what's like maybe they have questions like, oh, are the people mean or why can't they kick them out? And, you know, you, it could bring up some these are some complex questions. And the truth is none of us have all the answers. Even if I try to explain to myself or just tell you what's going on in Iran, it's very complicated. It's not simple. So. It, you're not going to have all the answers for that reason as well. It's very complex, even if you could say everything adult to adult, let alone if you try to modify it a bit to tell a child. So be ready for that. that you, you might not know or can't explain it all in detail of why it's this way or wh why don't people just treat everyone nicely? That's a hard question to answer. I, I would have a hard time answering that. I can say sometimes people want things that are not good or they get more attracted to having the power and to having money and they might treat other people bad just to get those things and so sometimes they try to keep that power and they might keep doing bad things so that that's something i'm saying on the spot right now not even a very comprehensive or great answer but one aspect of it but we can see that they're likely going to ask you some tough questions because the kids are curious and they want to know and they with fresh eyes will sometimes approach a situation or a scenario in a way that we might not because we're just so used to seeing things a certain way so you have to be ready for that they'll likely ask you something that you're like gosh why is it that way or how how is it that way or even what are the politics of this or that or what what can people do but so you can tell them um, what's happening and as with children that are older especially teenagers they they can handle all of this they can understand it they are probably connected often they'll be connected to situations of what's happening in their own country wherever you live and injustices that might be going on and so that might be part of the conversation connecting things in some way but don't shy away from these conversations about what's happening i think again parents often don't want to burden their child or make them sad or make them upset i don't think that it does any of those things they'll they'll likely be impacted they might have feelings about it but to think they can't know or they can handle it what i tend to see is that parents underestimate what their kids can handle and actually would benefit from experiencing because they think they're just going to protect them and actually related to that i'm, I'm always so happy when i see children at the protests and you always do um it's very touching it's very sweet sometimes you'll see a, a little girl and i sometimes you know i think of course the girl is here in the United States, but in a way we're fighting for you and for the, the little girls in Iran and, and all the women and all the people, but especially that these little girls don't live up, live in a country where they're not treated as a full citizen and have the full rights as is as the case in Iran. So it's very touching and inspiring. And I think we always are fighting for good and fighting for justice, but it's especially for the people now, but of course, for the future generations who will continue to experience that so i'm always touched by that and i sometimes wonder you know what the kids know i'm sure the parents told them something they didn't just say we're going for a walk um, with a lot of people they probably had to tell them something about it and 
I, I wonder what those conversations are like. You know, I, I saw a little boy yesterday, and you know, he's like probably three years old, and he was just on a phone kind of playing a game and and it looks kind of cute he was this little boy on his phone and he you know he doesn't know what's going on and i get it at like three years old he's not going to comprehend and and a two-hour protest is a really long time so they were keeping him occupied and i think that's understandable um but i always wonder about those conversations parents have i think it's great to bring your kids to protests in my opinion it's a nice thing to show them why we're doing it, it's teaching them something very valuable that when something is not right, we stand up for it. We, we as individuals, we as a family, we, we think it's the right thing to do, that if something is wrong, we don't stay quiet. Even if that thing isn't happening to us personally, we might not be personally affected. Yes, here maybe even you'll say you have family or you want to go, um, but it's really just showing them that we will care about people even if it's not us. If something is wrong, it's always wrong. And so I think that's actually a great thing to teach your kids that you value that. You know, I often hear parents say things, well, I want my kids to be more caring or nurturing or, you know, compassionate to other people. How do I do that? And uh, this is like not specifically about this or it's not about this. I would hear this question often and parents would want to sometimes find, okay, what do I tell them that will make them realize we should care about uh, other people or be compassionate or, you know, can I take them one time to feed people and then they'll know? And and the answer is, if you want to show them that something matters, you have to keep showing them that something matters. Or if you want to show them that something matters, the proof is in the pudding. If you don't make it an issue or you don't show that it's going to be important, then it's not important. You can't say this is the most important thing, but then it comes up once a year. They'll They'll take the message of how often it comes up more than the message of the words you say in that sentence. So if you say, we care so much about helping others and making sure, you know, people are taken care of, but then they never see an action in that direction, those words will go in one ear and out the other. So I think, of course, you do it for because you think it's the right thing to do and you do it because you want to do it, but it can also be another reminder of how to teach your children some good values and the value of fighting injustice, not being okay if things are not okay for someone else even, because that's going to continue to happen, being aware of what's going on, even paying attention to what other people are going through. Uh, I think those are all really, really good things that should be part of these conversations you have about what's happening in Iran. The reason why we're upset is because what the government is doing to the people there is not fair. It's not okay. And we are trying to support the people that are being mistreated because we always will care about people who are getting mistreated. And in this case, it's the people of Iran. And we also notice other people in the world, even in our country, who might be mistreated. And we want to stand up for them as well. So to me, it's part of a bigger conversation, not just about um, the, you know, the international politics and the history. You can talk about that too, and especially with their age, the older they are, you might even want to get more into that and study it together with them. That's all possible. But to me, the conversation with kids and especially younger kids is more about standing up for people who are being mistreated, standing up for what's wrong or against what's wrong for what is right. And I say this with caution because I don't want you to overdo it, but my experience tends to be that people underestimate what their kids can handle. And so you don't have to get into the details that are graphic about death, 
but they can handle that people are being mistreated. And if they're older, they know these things or they've seen these types of things. So they can handle the conversation. So I hope you will have it with them to have them be part of it, to have them connect to you as you're going through it, um, but also to teach them some valuable lessons and values that I think are very important that we would, I think, want all of our kids to have, which is to be compassionate, to be caring, to fight for justice, to fight for what is right, to stand up to power when it's doing wrong things, when it's not being fair, that we'll always stand up to that power and make sure it's um, in check. So I think those are all very important things that you can teach your children and to make that part of the conversation as well, not just the details of what's happening, which is important, but also about these bigger, bigger issues. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Big thank you to Ghazala here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fahid Zan Zendegi Azadi. Mm-hmm.